I would venture a guess that even though there are hundreds of people in here today and maybe about the same amount watching online right now live as we speak, that there is not a single one of you who has attended more weddings in your life than I have. <laughs> like back in the day when I was at the seminary, we had a standing rule, like all of our friends got invited to the party and money didn't grow on trees back in the day, so free food and free beverage, sign me up, went to all of them. Like my kids have been married, I've also attended some of the weddings of my kids' friends, uh, we've got family and cousins and all sorts of people in, in our life. I've been to lots of weddings just like you have, but I've been to, to probably hundreds upon hundreds of nine to two weddings in my 18 years here that simply you can't beat unless you are a part of a family tree that has like a hundred cousins and you all go to every wedding. And here's the thing that I've learned about weddings. Like they're all about love. Like there's a whole lot of things that take place that day that are centered around a man and a woman, their relationship, their vows, their promises to love one another. But then there are people who gather, who love them, who care about them, who, who know them. There are parts of that evening, that celebration that, that allow people to help encourage the, the couple who's getting married and the love that they have for each other. Like I've heard some amazing speeches from Maids of honors and best men and, and fathers of the groom or the bride. I've heard some really memorable ones that might not have much to do with love, but they're great. I've seen couples on the dance floor for the couple dance. I'm getting older, been married a lot longer. I get to stay and dance with my life longer than a lot I ever have before, but I've never won the opportunity to speak into a microphone and give my advice, my best tip on love to the couple, like grandpa or grandma does. They help them understand, define love a little bit that... Like, bless them. And then Holly and I normally like to stay at least this long. We don't stay till the end for, at most weddings because we don't necessarily want to see what happens at the end. But at the dance, when it begins, the couple comes on the dance floor and it's their song. Like, the song that they pick that is meaningful to them, that defines their relationship, that, that helps clarify the message, maybe the definition that they have, the feelings that... that that are front and center on that day on what their love is and what their love looks like or what their love is all about. Like love songs on a wedding day, your song on your wedding day speaks to you. It sends a message to them. And a lot of people actually spend a lot of time picking that song. <laughs> you know why? Because they don't want to get it wrong. And there's so many options to choose from. Like if you do the research, and someone actually has for you, on music and the percentage of songs that are out there in our world today, the top 40 ones especially, but songs in general, the research from the 60s all the way into the, into the 20s has, has proven and doesn't really change that about 70% of all songs, top 40 songs and beyond, have some kind of theme about romance, relationship, friendship, love. Like, take your genre, take your pick, whether it's hair ballads or it's country, whether it's back in the 60s or it's Taylor Swift, like everyone has their famous love song. And I think there's something that we can learn from that, what, what people, the time they spend in picking a song that speaks of their love, if our world that loves music and all, most of what it listens to has some kind of message about love and relationships and what it looks like, to help us truly understand why we need a reset, perhaps, today in the start of this series with our definition of love. 
Like for a lot of people, how they define love is found in the words or lyrics of a famous song. For a lot of people, how they define love is, is through the lens of the people that they do life with. That can be good, but that can be dangerous. Like so, there's a lot that can be found in what love is and what love isn't in music and in our social circles. But today, what we need to do is, is really dig into this topic of defining love properly. Because music reinforces it in our lives, but it might not help us define it correctly. The Beatles song, All You Need Is Love, is so true in our lives, but the sad reality is too few of us understand it. We all know we need it, but do we understand it? Do we define it properly? Because if we get the definition wrong, we're going to have some broken relationships. We're going to have marriages that are merely surviving and not thriving. We're going to have friendships that, that may not work. We're going to be a part of a church community that, that truly doesn't grasp the depth and the height and the width of what love should be in the lives of, in our lives so that we can bless the lives of others. Like we need to get this right. Like if God says the greatest of these things is love, then we got to define it right. But before we get into that definition today, that's all that this week is going to be. Next week, you got to come back. Like if you're looking for tips on marriage, applying this definition, like the next few weeks, applying this in your relationships with others, in your neighborhood, in work, in your marriage, in your homes, with your kids, like come back the next two weeks. We're going to get real. We're going to apply it in in very clear ways. But today we're going to do the definition uh, so that we have the foundation in place. Which is why I want you to think about what your definition is. Like, how do you define love? Like, I left the blank blank. I'm not going to fill it in right now. I'm going to give you one. In a few minutes, I'm going to hopefully answer the question, what is love from God's perspective so we can see the definition, see how God lived it, and, and, and have that as the foundation going forward. But before we get there, how do you define it? Like, don't write down what Pastor Tim wants you to write down. There's no wrong answer here. It's your definition. How do you define love? Like my guess is in a few minutes, one of the phrases that I will use, words that I will highlight for you, might have popped up as you wrote it down or as you thought about it mentally. Like some of your definitions of love had the word feeling in it. It's actually what you'd find in the dictionary. One of the first definitions you'll find is an intense feeling of deep affection. Some of you have written down the word emotion. Like, love is a strong emotion, some people's definition, and it's on, you know, that spectrum of all those things. It's the positive side. You got love, you got like, you got eh, you got dislike, you got hate. Like, love is a strong emotion on the spectrum of emotions in, in relationships. Some of you may have written down this. It's a feeling that drives a behavior. It's a feeling that determines an action. Like, I have this feeling, ooh, I want to follow up with that response. It can also take the negative. If I don't feel love, then I won't behave in, a, in that kind of way. Love can determine an action. Some people might have used this word. Have you maybe thought of love as in a strong, intense desire? Like you, you desire something that's love? Like there's a passion for? In today's world, a lot of people define love this way. They define love as acceptance. You can see, based on all those, feeling, emotion, 
Maybe you're like me. You remember the schoolhouse rock days? Love is a, uh, is a verb. Verbs have actions. Like, is it an action? Is it a feeling? Is it an emotion? Is it a passion? Like, is it acceptance? Like, what is love? <laughs> like, I wouldn't be shocked if you're confused, have been confused. Maybe haven't gotten it right. Maybe aren't so sure. So whether you have it right or not, whether you maybe need to tweak it a little bit, maybe you know it, you just need to apply it. I, I don't know where you are at in defining love, which is why I'm glad you're here today and I pray you'll come back so that we can get the definition right. We can apply it over the next few weeks. And to help us do that today, uh, we're going to turn to God's word. We're going to turn to 1 John chapter 4. And here's what you're going to find in the Bible. Like we as Americans, we who speak the English language, have this one word that describes all those things, feelings, emotions, strong desire, passion, like all the things that, that love is or could be. The Greeks had eight words. Ancient Greeks had eight words for love. Did you know that? Eight different words. Because <laughs> they understood that each word had a unique place in unique relationships because they each had unique definitions. So we get to see which word God uses to, for us in our relationships. What word does God use to guide and, and encourage us with? In fact, eight, four of those eight are actually found in the Bible in the New Testament. Like the, the word we're going to talk about today, agape love. You've heard pastors use that, that word before. But there are three others. Storge is a word for love. It's oftentimes the compassion, empathetic love that's in the family bond. Like you have a bond with blood. Therefore, that's storge love. Like, no offense, I love my kids. I'm always going to love my kids. You should love your kids. We, we love our kids. The kids love their parents. And things can go epically bad, fortunately, in this side of heaven. But that kind of love is, is there by blood. You got phileo love, that's friendship love, it's reciprocal love, like you do something nice for me, I do something nice for you. Uh, friends, it's a give and take, it's a back and forth love. When, when you stop giving, I will too. That's a different kind of love. Then you have your erao love, it's the sensual love, it's the intimate love, it's love in marriage in the Bible, it's the fireworks, ah, love. Like it's the love you had for your wife when you saw her walk down the aisle, ah, and sometimes when she's 50, she looks at you and goes, eh. <laughs> like, erao love is the feelings. It's good. It's, it's love, but it's not what God defines love as in the Bible when it comes to all sorts of different relationships and how we apply it. Like, they're good. They're a part of it. I don't want to lose that. But, but over the series, we're going to talk about agape love. Love, literally, that uh, is a Greek word that was universal love, but in today's world, oftentimes, it's not separated from God. Like, the Greek word for love uh, and God, agape, go hand in hand. And that's what we're going to find as we unpack First John chapter 4. And who better to give us the definition of love, what is love, answer the question, than the disciple that the Bible says Jesus loved. He literally has that title in the Gospel of John to turn to and listen to the one who was inspired to, to author and pen the most famous words in all of Scripture, John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. Like that disciple that Jesus loved, the disciple who wrote that word about God so loving the world, uh, his first letter is filled with 
with chapters and words and sections and encouragement about love. Like 1 John chapter 4, perhaps, is one of the longest sections in all Scripture where it talks about the love of God and love for others and how this all intermingles, what this looks like, what it means for us. And so we're going to talk today about what is love, answering the question. Next week, we're going to talk about what love does in action. Third week, we're going to talk about uh, love and the difficulties and challenges that, that it brings when we have this definition, because life is messy and life is hard and people are difficult. We're going to get into all those things, the practical, but for today, let's define it. First John chapter 4, verse 8, we start with this because it's important to the definition. Why do we let God define love? Why are we looking at God's definition, not the world's definition, not what culture says or what your friends say or what music would tell you it is, uh, uh, not what Taylor Swift and love story is all about? Like, God is love. First John chapter 4, verse 8. Is in Greek, easy way to think of this word, is an equal sign. God equals love. Love equals God. Like, God gets to be the authoritative voice on love because God is love. If we want to know what love is, if God is love and love is God, we look at God. If you want to know what love looks like, look at how God acts. Look at what God has done. If you want to understand love better, understand God more. Like, God equals love. That's John's point. He's setting the stage for the definition. Like, he's giving you the why before he gives you the what of the definition. Why, why does what follows serve as the definition? Because God is love. And so with that in mind, I want to give you the definition first and then use the next two verses, the next two verses split up into three parts to help you understand it. There's three parts to this working definition that we want to give you here at 922 as we launch into this series. Here's love and what it equals. Before, you might have written down your answer above. See how well you did based on what I would tell you the Bible says is a great way to remember love. Love is doing what's best, no matter who, no matter what. If you've heard it before, that's because Pastor Mike has used this on several occasions. Uh, I want to give him the credit for it. He kind of put this together, uh, and, and we're both using it this week. Doing what's best doing what God says is best, no matter who it is and no matter what it costs. Doing what's best, no matter who, no matter what. All three are important to getting love right. If you don't do what's best, you're going to be love sick and not love healthy. If you don't love no matter who, there's going to be a whole lot of issues that are real. Like if no matter who it is, is not applied properly, we're going to miss the boat on on doing what's best by God's standards for all, no matter what the cost. Sometimes loving is hard, and it does cost a lot. And God wants you and me to understand that the definition of love, agape love, what God has called us to do, what God lays out for, for marriages, what God lays out in Christian relationships, what God lays out in our world with others who aren't even believers, it's doing what's best no matter who it is, no matter what. So before we get into it, and I allow you to see it, like that's the definition, and if God's the authoritative uh, person on that definition, give me the biblical proof that that's the definition, I will. But I just want you to think about that. When you look at that as your definition of love, how did you, what you wrote, measure up? And are there things about that you don't like? 
Like sometimes at weddings I hear that advice. Love, uh, what is your definition of love? What, what, what is love? Love should never be having to say you're sorry. <laughs> I hope you don't mess up. Like I thought your point, yeah. But I'm a big train wreck. If I have never apologized in my life, my wife would have not want to be around me. Like, I, like doing what's best. No matter who, no matter what. Comes at a cost, like owning it. Like, there's a price involved in love. Sometimes we pick and choose the who. It's hard. Doing what's best? Not always. So let's see it through God's lens. If that's our definition, Pastor Tim, prove it to me. If God's authoritative on it, let's look at God. What is, what is love? I would argue with, uh, with you and, and want you to keep in mind, I know a lot of people push back about love's not a feeling, love's an action. I'm gonna tell you that when you put love together and you talk about the love of God, God and what he did is definitely gonna be an action, but God is definitely someone who had feelings and emotions for you and for me as we consider this definition. Like love isn't outside of emotion but it isn't driven by it. It isn't formed by it. We need to keep that clarified. So let's look at 1 John chapter 4, following verse 8. God is love. So here's John part 1. This is how God's love for us was revealed. In other words, here's what love looks like, defining it. If it's a picture in the dictionary, John's saying, here it is. God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Love is doing what's best. What John tells us, how God defines it. This is how God's love was revealed for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God did what was best. He acted. Like love does. Like love acts. Love is an action according to how God defines it, how God lived it, how God practiced it. And God's action was sending his one and only son into the world. If love is doing what's best, God did what was best for you and for me in sending. And he sent the best. He sent the perfect son of God, his only begotten son, his son from eternity. Like he did what was best. He sent the best, Jesus Christ, his son, his one and only son, in order that you and I might get the best, that you and I might live through him. God did what was best by sending the best so that we might get the best. Love does what is best. God knew that he had to do it because it was the best, the only way that you and I could be saved and have life because he wanted for you and for me what was best, life. See, as you get the definition from God, our eyes start to be opened as to what that truly means doing what God says is best. Love isn't doing what's always easy. Like, do you think it was easy for God <laughs> to send his one and only son? But he did because he knew it was best. Do you think Jesus didn't truly grasp the worst of what was going to happen on the cross? But he understood that going to the cross was doing the best. So that you and I might have the best. That's love, part one. Definition, love is doing what is best. God 
laid it out. God revealed it. That's how love was revealed. Now John's going to go on in the next part to help us answer number two. But before we do, love does what is best no matter who. Like God did what was best in spite of who? In spite of you. Like, and here's where love oftentimes gets hard. We can buy into doing what's best as long as we buy into and are okay with and feel good about the who. Like, I asked my wife for her definition of love, and, and she had a great definition. And I'm like, but who are you thinking of? She's like, well, I have a who. My kids, you, my close family and friends. I'm like, but does that definition work for them? No. <laughs> okay. Like, sometimes it's easy to do the best when the who is them. But God says, love does the best no matter who? In spite of you. <laughs> this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Like oftentimes in our world, we hear love has strings attached to it in our world. Like, I'll love you as long as you do blank. I'll love you as long as you do your part of the chores. I'll love you as long as you don't say a harsh word to me. I'll love you as long as you're nice to me. I'll love you in return. And, and all these things, the, the the who in our lives is, is sometimes hard when that person we don't feel is worthy or deserving. Like they don't measure up. But God didn't love you, do his best because of who you are. God didn't do his best for the people who are the best or the better ones. No, it's not that you were so lovable that God loved you, that he did his best. By nature, you and I are unlovable. By nature, you and I are, are sinful. By nature, you and I are not lovers of God, but enemies of God. Understand that by nature, when God considered doing, he did it no matter who. It wasn't because you brought anything to the table because you loved him first, but... But this is love, God's definition. He did what was best, no matter who it is, even sinful human beings, enemies by nature. This is love that he loved us. That's God. That's agape love. Like agape love is sacrificial love. Agape love is selfless love. Agape love is you first love. Agape love, maybe that you wrote that definition down. Agape love is love for the unlovable. Like when someone is unlovable, they've done something so horrible and so wrong, and yet it still acts and it still does. That's agape love. That's the love of God. That's the love God calls us to, to have in relationships like marriage, in relationships in our homes, in relationships with other Christians, in relationships in our world with unbelievers. Like God calls us to that love. Like, it's easy for me to love my kids and my grandkids. It's easy to love my spouse. It's not as easy to love people who are my neighbors. It gets really harder to love people who, who don't believe the same things that I do or live in a way that is different than I do or push all the wrong buttons that, that cause me to be frustrated. Like, you understand, no matter who? Like, not just the person that you bond with at work, but that one that you wish didn't work there. 
Love does what's best no matter who it is, no matter what it costs. Like God proved no matter who by loving you and me, sinners, when we were dead in our sins. He did what was best, not because we brought value to the table or because we were worth it. it our, his love didn't act because we had uh, done good enough in spite of who, in spite of the cost. Look at the last part of First John chapter 4. And he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Like the cost to God in loving you and me, the cost to Jesus in doing what was best, the cost and the price that had to be paid to endure the very pain of hell being separated from God, the very wrath of God that Jesus Christ endured, the cost and price tag was beyond our understanding. And yet he loved in spite of the cost and sent and yet in love, Jesus himself went to the cross in spite of what he knew it would mean. In spite of who you were and who I was and who all people were by nature because God wanted what is best. Eternity, new life, peace with God. And so he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Take that definition we started with, love is doing what's best, no matter who, no matter what, and view it through the lens of God in action, his definition, if he's the authority on it, let God uh, be the one who defines it. Love equals God did what was best for sinners, for you and for me, for every person who's walked the face of planet Earth in spite of the cost. Like God modeled it, God lived it, he gets to define it. So when we define it over the next few weeks, doing what is best, no matter who, no matter what, see it through the lens of God living that definition, modeling it, carrying it out. And you and I are the ones who are the recipients of all the benefits. Like seeing it differently through God's lens is game-changing and God wants us to apply that kind of love, that agape love in our lives of faith because here's what he wants for our homes, our marriages, our relationships, our friendships, our community, our world. He wants people to see the amazing love of God so that they can get the very best from God one day in heaven. The Apostle Paul understood this. Romans 5, verse 8. I think I have the passage wrong on the, uh, in the bulletin. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. It's an action. Doing what's best. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. Here's God's best. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Brothers and sisters, he died for us. Like we're going to do some hard work over the next few weeks because a lot of our relationships are lovesick and not thriving there are marriages that, that need a tune-up and there are others that need an overhaul. There, there are friendships and relationships and, and Christian connections and, and how we live in our community that we need to see differently and carry out the, through this definition. But for today, I pray that you can go home and as we build on this over the next few weeks, it's founded on what love is through God's perspective. All we need is love, amen to that. And what God wants for all of us to do is to understand it properly, doing what's best, what God says is best, no matter who, not just for them, not just for you, no matter who, no matter what the cost. But in this week ahead, before we get to the application, can I give you some homework? Like Jude, who wrote 
a one-chapter book right at the end of the Bible, writing to Christians, said these words near the end. He said, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, here's his call to action. Keep yourselves in God's love. Keep yourselves in God's love. Like if you want to live this definition, if you want to appreciate the definition, if, if you don't want to get confused in the world in which we live by so many different def definitions, if, if feelings or emotions or the fireworks sometimes cloud your judgment on, on love and should I or shouldn't I, like to, to help you define it right and live it, live that definition, you got to keep yourself in it. So be in the word this week. Like maybe just read 1 John chapter 4 over and over and over again to keep yourself in God's love, what it looks like, how we defined it, what, what that means. We're going to talk about that the next few weeks. Maybe read Psalm 103 every day this week because as you do, you'll get to see God on display, what, it, what God doing his best for you with his spiritual blessings looks like. Keep yourself in his love that way. Or maybe this week, Instead of listening just to your favorite radio station or genre that's not Christian, you, you find one, two, three, four, five Christian songs that have love in it. Talk about the love of God. <laughs> like Christian music understands the same concept that the world and musicians and, and songwriters have, that love drives people, love at the center of a song is so vital and important. But you know what? Well, the world gets it. They understand that all we need is love and doesn't define it right all the time. Almost always in Christian music, you'll see love defined properly because it begins with God. It talks about God doing his best, no matter who, no matter what. It's like instead of listening to your wedding song again, you can do that. That'd be good. Maybe you listen together to a song that, that reminds you about the amazing, deep, wide, high love of God. <laughs> 